O send out thy light and thy truth, that they may lead me and bring me unto thy holy hill, to thy dwelling. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 95 is found on page 459. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are all the corners of the earth, and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is the Lord our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works, Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, for they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath, that they should not enter into my rest. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Morning Psalm is... Psalm 31, found on page 375. In thee, O Lord, have I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me, and make haste to deliver me. And thou be thou my strong rock and home of defense, that thou mayest save me. For thou art my strong rock and my castle. Be thou also my guide, and lead me for thy name's sake. Draw me out of the net that they have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. Into thy hands I commend my spirit, for thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, thou God of truth. I have hated them that hold of lying vanities, and my trust hath been in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy. For thou hast considered my trouble, and hast known my soul in adversities. Thou hast not shut me up in the hand of the enemy, but hast set my feet in a large room. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble, and mine eyes consumed for very heaviness, yea, my soul and my body. For my wife is, life is waxen old with heaviness, and my years with mourning. My strength faileth me because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. I became a reproach among my, all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors. And the day of mine acquaintance were afraid of me, and they that did see me without conveyed themselves from me. I am clean forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. I am become like a broken vessel. For I have heard the blasphemy of the multitude, and fear is on every side while they conspire together against me, take their counsel to take away my life. But my hope hath been in thee, O Lord. I have said, Thou art my God. 
My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies, and from them that persecute me. Show thy servant the light of thy countenance, and save me for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be confounded, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the ungodly be put to confusion, and be put to silence in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, with cruelly, disdainfully, and despitefully speak against the righteous. Oh, how plentiful is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, and that thou hast prepared for them that put their trust in thee, even before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the covert of thine own presence from the plottings of men. Thou shalt keep them secretly in thy tabernacle from the strife of tongues. Thanks be to God, for he hath showed me marvelous great kindness in a strong city. But in my haste I said, I am cast out of the sight of thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my prayer. I cried unto thee. O love the Lord, all ye saints, for the Lord preserveth them that are faithful, and plenteously rewardeth the proud doer. Be strong, and he shall establish your heart, all ye that put your trust in the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 18th chapter of the second book of Samuel. And David numbered the people who were with him, and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. Then David sent out the thir one third of the people under the hand of Joab, one third under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and one third under the hand of Ittai the Gittite. And the king said to the people, I also will surely go out with you myself. But the people answered, You shall not go out, for if we flee away, they will not care about us, nor if half of us die, will they care about us. But you are worth ten thousand of us now. For you are now more help to us in the city. Then the king said to them, Whatever seems best to you I will do. So the king stood beside the gate, and all the people went out by hundreds and by thousands. Now the king had commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captain's orders concerning Absalom. So the people went out into the field of battle against Israel. And battle was in the woods, and the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. The people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David, and a great slaughter of twenty thousand took place there that day. For the battle there was scattered over the face of the whole countryside, and the woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. Then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the thick boughs of a great terebinth tree, and his head caught in the terebinth tree. So he was left hanging between heaven and earth, and the mule which was under him went on. Now a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, I just saw Absalom hanging in a terebinth tree. So Joab said to the man who told him, You just saw him? Why did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have given you ten shekels of silver and a belt. But the man said to Joab, Though I were to receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, I would not raise my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king commanded you and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware lest anyone touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise I would have dealt falsely against my own life, 
for there is nothing hidden from the king, and you yourself would have set yourself against me. Then Joab said, I cannot linger with you, and he took three spears in his hand and thrust them through Absalom's heart, while he was still alive in the midst of the terebinth tree. And ten young men who bore Joab's armor surrounded Absalom and struck and killed him. So Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing Israel. For Joab held back the people, and they took Absalom and cast him into the large pit in the woods and laid a very large heap of stones over him. Then all Israel fled, everyone to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken <clears throat> and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley, for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, and to this day it is called Absalom's Monument. Then Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run now and take the news to the king, how the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You shall not take the news this day, for you shall take the news another day. But today you shall take no news, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go, tell them what you have seen. So the Cushite bowed himself to Joab and ran. And Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, But whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. So Joab said, Why will you run, my son, since you have no, no news ready? But whatever happens, he said, Let me run. So he said to him, Run. to the wall, lifted his eyes, and looked, and there was a man running alone. Then the watchman cried out and told the king, and the king said, If he is alone, there is news in his mouth, and he came rapidly and drew near. Then the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gatekeeper and said, There is another man running alone, and the king said, He also brings news. So the watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimeaz the son of Zadok, and the king said, he is a good man and comes with good news. So Hemiaz called out and said to the king, All is well. Then he bowed down with his face to the earth before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. The king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? Hemiaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and me your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I did not know what it was about. And the king said, Turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. Just then the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, There is good news, my lord the king, for the Lord has avenged you, this day of all those who rose against you. And the king said to the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? But the Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king, and all who rise against you to do harm, be like that young man. Then the king was deeply moved, and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said thus, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died in your place, O Absalom, my son, my son. Here ends the first lesson. The Benedictus says, Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and dwellest between the cherubim, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou on the glorious throne of thy kingdom, 
praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven, praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the eleventh verse of the fifth chapter of the second epistle of Paul to the Corinthians. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God, or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Here ends the second lesson. Benedictus on page 14. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, perform the mercy promised to our forefathers, and to remember his holy covenant, perform the oath which he sware to our forefather Abraham, that he would give us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Give knowledge of salvation unto his people, for the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. Give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, 
and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Almighty and merciful God, of whose only gift is cometh that thy faithful people do unto thee true and laudable service, grant, we beseech thee, that we may faithfully serve thee in this life, that we fail not finally to attain thy heavenly promises through the merits of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, in knowledge of whom standeth our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, Send us thy humble servants in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger but that all our doings being ordered by their governments may be righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning. Uh, again today, the Old Testament and the New Testament are difficult to link, so let me take them in turn. In the Old Testament, we are nearing the end of the story of King David. We have learned a lot about his faithfulness, his trusting in the Lord, and all that the Lord has done to reward that faithfulness and to protect his anointed king of Israel. We have testimony to that faithfulness in today's psalm, explicitly a psalm of David, apparently written late in his life. Of course, with David, we've also seen his great sin and the consequences of that sin, as well as God's mercy after his repentance for that sin. In today's lesson, I'm struck by how David demonstrates the mercy he has received from God and the mercy that he himself grants. What is noticeable is David's mercy towards his enemies in Israel who seek to kill him, and in particular, the parallels between his treatment of his father-in-law Saul and his son Absalom. Of course, there are important differences. Saul was the first king anointed by the Lord to rule over Israel, while Absalom is a usurper who's been planning his rebellion for more than 20 years. But David loved Saul, his one-time mentor who gave his daughter in marriage. And apparently David, Absalom, David's third son, was his favorite of his more than 20 sons, and thus his likely heir. David wants to defeat both of them, but gives an order that neither should be killed. 
Perhaps it's an impossible task in a full-scale battle. Here we see an important difference. Saul is mortally wounded by the Philistine and is not killed by David's forces. However, while Absalom is trapped alive, he's killed by Joab's men at Joab's order. David has a tense relationship with Joab throughout his reign, and many have speculated on this relationship. Joab is a brilliant but ruthless and manipulative leader of David's army who wins victories that protect David's kingdom. This is not the first time that Joab has killed someone against David's orders. David negotiated a peace with Abner, Saul's general, but then Joab kills Abner. When David replaces Joab with a less bloodthirsty general, Amasa, Joab kills him too. I'm not quite sure why the killing of kings of son goes unpunished, but David is approaching 70, only a few years from death, so it's certainly possible that he's afraid of Joab. David does not see justice for Joab in his lifetime, but at David's command, Solomon kills Joab early in his reign. In the end, Israel's great general who lived by the sword also dies by the sword. Meanwhile, in our New Testament lesson, we're in the middle of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. We know from the Acts of the Apostles that Paul established the church in Corinth and spent more than a year there, so it obviously holds a special place in his heart. In this part of the second letter, he's trying to convince them not to be led astray by false teachers. There are two main ideas in this morning's reading. In the first five verses, he is emphasizing how Christians should be transformed by the power of God's love for his people, as demonstrated by the death of his only begotten son upon the cross. He wants his form his followers so, as he says in verse 12, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. To follow Christ is to follow his example. Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. In the last six verses, Paul is emphasizing how the Christian needs to be transformed and how they approach the world. The old creation has passed away and we are called to live in the new creation, a new way of looking at God and at our fellow humans. Here Paul is explaining how it has transformed his life and he's calling them again, as he likely did in person, to live out their lives in that way. Christ's death allows God's people to be reconciled to God for the first time since the original sin of Adam and Eve. Paul implores his readers to become fully reconciled and then to be ambassadors of that message to the rest of mankind. We now return to page 18 of the Book of Common Prayer. O God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we humbly beseech thee for all sorts and conditions of men, that thou wouldst be pleased to make thy ways known unto them, thy saving health unto all nations. More especially we pray for thy holy church universal, that it may be so guided and governed by thy good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and hold the faith in unity of spirit, in the bond of peace and in righteousness of life. Finally, we commend to thy fatherly goodness all those who are in any ways afflicted or distressed in mind, body, or estate.
that it may please thee to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, giving them patience under their sufferings and their happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Gather the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, thine unworthy servants, do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for thine inestimable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful, and that we show forth thy praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to thy service, and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, whom with thee and the Holy Ghost, be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. O God, the protector of all that trust in thee, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us thy mercy, that thou, being our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal, that we finally lose not the things eternal. Grant this, O Heavenly Father, for the sake of thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you all for coming this Saturday morning. Thank you to Britt and Carl for making this morning's worship possible. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank Have you. a wonderful day, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Happy Saturday.